Hey folks, thanks for tuning in another week and downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing on iTunes, Stitcher, and all that other good stuff, man. This is the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Sincere Hogan, that's me, my man, Mike Mahler on the line. What's going on, my man? Oh, I'm doing good, man. We have a great guest today, and we're going to start talking to him in a little bit. But before we do that, just some shout-outs to people that have been supporting the show. And what they're doing is they're using coupon code LLA, and they're going over to my website and using that coupon code to get 10% off anything you see there. And just a couple examples of our listeners that have been taking advantage of this. Travis Niles, we got Mark Bonner. That's not Boner, Bonner. Bonner. And Kevin Odell. (laughs) Bonner. Bonner, Bonner. Michael Salazar, Ronald Mitchell, Jamie Brakefield, and those are just a few people that I just grabbed from the list right before we came on the show. Thanks a lot, guys. It's because of guys like them that a lot of you that have never supported the show are able to listen to the show. So you guys should – I should give out their emails so that you can do that as well. <laughs> Assuming you haven't supported the show. <laughs> and awesome, uh, what's, what's, what's been going on with you, man? You've uh, you've had some people using the code over at your site? Yeah, same thing, man. They've been heading to newwarriortraining.com using the same coupon code. People have even used the coupon code for a recent certification that we did with IKFF. So, you know, big shouts out to my man Patrick Peden and also to Rob Xline who helped us host the event. But Rob not only helped with that, but he also became a supporter through Patreon. So, and that's easy to do that. Just head over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show that way. Whether you're buying our products or not, you can still be a big part of the show by doing that. So Rob stepped in, and, you know, he became a Patreon supporter as well as Brad Koltak and also Donna Minton. So got those Patreon supporters steady coming in each, each and every show, man, each and every week. So we really appreciate that. Again, it really helps us keep the production going and also keeps us free of ads where, you know, pretty much you're getting the underwear of the month along with a dollar, you know, razor and all that other Madness that you hear on every podcast and the same and the same hosting companies that's going to help you build a better website, you know, which is pretty much just going to be a template and you're going to look like everyone else's website because you're too lazy, too lazy to go out and do it yourself or, you know, have someone that you're going to hire overseas to do it for you. Just use that template and look like everyone else. Yeah, that's good for business. Yeah. Yeah. They, if they the website's as easy to use as Facebook. It's probably not going to be a very good website. Because <laughs> I mean, you know? Facebook is still difficult for a lot of people. So. So, yeah, man. So, yeah, big shots everybody that, that is supporting the show again creating a way for those who are not supporting the show to, to actually enjoy the show so this is what you need to do don't be that guy at least hop over to patreon and contribute wipe out that one dollar bill start off with five contribute each month to the show man just like the person that sat there i was just thinking about this this is like the people that watched pbs like well i don't watch all those shows on pbs but tell me this if you had kids Tell me there's been, there's been a day where your child didn't watch Sesame Street, okay, or something right. like that. Some Sesame Street, Electric Company, all those shows. And, hell, a lot of you, because your education came from Sesame Street or whatever, and you, know, you may not contribute one dime to PBS. You know, there's a good reason for that, that, that you should contribute to that, because they kind of help raising your kids before you put them in school, as far as education-wise. Right. They're, they're, they're assisting right. you with the education of your kids. So you sit there and not contribute to PBS, man, you know, it's a bit of a disservice. So... So we're not going to raise your kids. going to say that now. But one thing we do each and every week, we do our best to help raise your awareness. And that's one of the reasons why, like, hey, man, step on in, become a monthly Patreon supporter. And we'll greatly appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna stop talking about this because a lot of people have probably fast forwarded by now to get to our <laughs> guest. <laughs> exactly. And that's okay. Just leave a review for us. All right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So our guest. 
Our guest today is top strength coach Vince McConnell. We've had him on the show a few times, and he's a fan favorite. A lot of people give us great feedback every time we've had him come on. And we have a fun topic today. He reached out to me and said he'd love to come on to talk about pet peeves in the fitness industry. And this is something that all three of us can definitely chime in. In fact, we could even chime in from some stuff that we talked about on the last episode that we'll oh, carry yeah. over, that we'll address here. <laughs> but before any of that, Vince, how are you doing today, man? man? I'm great, Mike. Good to be with you guys again. Real, real. Oh, great. That's great to have you on. Go, man. So pet peeves in the business. First of all, how long have you been in the business, Vince? 32 years. 32 wow. years, and, and again, like we talked like we talked about, I think it was on the last episode that I was on, that doesn't mean I've been um, pushing and pulling stuff for 32 years. It's I've actually right. been training live people for 32 years, so it's a, you, you talk to some people now, and they say, well, I've been in the business for 10 years, and you're like, well, you know, you're you're 22, you know, well, I started working out in my mother's basement. When I was like, 12, I trained, I trained my friends at the park. Exactly. <laughs> that counts. Know, exactly. You, you told them what to do and they followed you. Um, and so with, with that, and we, we always, every time I've been on the show, we've touched on a few things and that's why I said, you know, we probably just need to do a whole episode on this. And it, the thing is, is that when you're in it as long as I have, you do, you do tend to become a little crusty and, and, and I'm sure, you know, guys like, um, you know, Maxwell and some of the other guys could probably, you know, follow up and say the same thing. You've seen a lot that's, that's really good and a lot of progress and everything. And it's not like you're throwing everything out with that, but with that, you see some things that actually water down the, the whole industry, especially when it comes to a coaching standpoint you know you you get to where people confuse cheerleading with coaching and coaching with cheerleading and and it just and it really is aggravating because i have to deal with a lot of that when when i have new clients come to me or if they're long distance clients designing programs for them and i have to undo a whole bunch of shit before we can even get to the stuff that matters you know, because everybody now thinks that they're an expert, even your clients. You know, I mean, they come to you and they tell you, well, this is what I've been doing. And why are we, why, why did you send me this program? Why are we doing this? And even, you know, clients one on one that you're working with and they're always questioning everything. And again, not so much questioning what I do, but I see it. I see it a lot in the industry. You see it when you read Facebook and everything. Everybody's got to chime in about what <laughs> somebody's doing wrong. And the right. reality is, is that I can walk from here to the mailbox and back and somebody can say that I did it incorrectly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so yeah. it's not that difficult to be a critic. Like your gate was way off, man, on that strider with the mailbox. Come yeah, on, then, then, the paralysis, then, the, then, the, then the paralysis by analysis happens. And then you get to where you, you just don't even enjoy what you're doing anymore because you're thinking about it so much. Yeah, you're it, it reminds me of, yeah, it reminds me of people that are just really anal about technique, right? And I'm all about optimal technique. I think you should emphasize optimal technique. But some people take it to an extreme where they never make any progress because they're so paranoid that if they increase the weight, their technique is going to go to the wayside. Yeah, and, and, that, and that too. I mean the thing is is that it works on both sides. You do. You have people that actually throw all caution to the wind completely, and then right. you got the, then you got the other extreme. And the thing is, just like yeah. with everything, you know, the truth is in the middle. Right. Right. Exactly. Like a lot of heavy reps are not going to be perfect, but that doesn't mean they're not worth doing. You just gut those through. But that's with experience, right? You wouldn't put a novice through that. Let's get the technique dialed in and all that. But my my max on a deadlift is not going to look as clean as say one of my warm up sets on the way there. 
Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that we have to take into account your condition. You can handle technique that is not spot on better than somebody that is not in right. the condition exactly. that you're in. And that's another thing is that and, and there's there's the irony is that the more experienced you are, the better able you are to get away with not doing things spot on. And right. so, and that's another thing, like, you know, whether it's an athlete, you know, landing in a, in a certain way and you go, wait a minute, you know, they're about to, you know, snap their ACL and then you go, well, they've trained enough to where they're able to absorb that kind of impact. Whereas if you took somebody off the street, had them right. do the same plyometric move, <laughs> they probably would snap into. <laughs> <laughs> now, somewhere there's someone that, that feels like they've been lifting long enough and they hear that now they're like, see, now I can get away with bad technique. No, we're not giving you permission to start doing things with bad technique just for the sake of right. trying to lift heavier and heavier. You know, take your ego and just remove it out of the situation right there. You still need I mean, to be we, smart. We, 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 yeah, we've all been guilty of that, though, right, where we're just yeah. chasing heavier weights, where we're going, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to move up here. And it, take, it takes a lot of discipline to have patience mm-hmm. to dial things in. So you, generally the point I brought up is usually not the issue we deal with where people are so concerned about technique. It's usually the opposite. That's the problem that's more ubiquitous, that's more pervasive, where people are in such a rush to get to those intermediate levels or advanced levels that they compromise technique, get injured, and then they blame the system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Vince, yeah. what else do you have for us with these pet peeves? Well, the uh, the other thing, training legalism, kind of feeds off of what we were just talking mm-hmm. about. The, all the have tos, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. If you don't right, do right. this, and and I call it the pomp and circumstance of training. And see, what happens is that everybody knows about warm up now. So now everybody spends, you know, forty five minutes warming up before they even get to the lift. And then and then in in its own way, as we we've talked about mobility on every episode I've been on too, and I'm a huge advocate of that. However, there's a point where you need to get to where you dial in your mobility work. I recommend we all do it in the morning. I think it's one of those things that you can do earlier in the day and not have to do it right before you work out. It's, um, you know, but the thing what happens is that everybody goes, well, I've seen, you know, 12 different videos on YouTube. I've seen, you know, all this other information out there on how I need to mobilize every, you know, everything from your pinky finger to your pinky toe and then, and everything in between. And then it, and what, what happens is that the, those people get confused and then they stop all of it. Then they just completely throw everything out and don't do any of it. And then and I've got the, the luxury, if you will, of working both with teams of a hundred plus as well as individuals. So I see, the grand scope of how this is applied all the way through. Yeah. A lot of people just either one or the other. They either work with groups, large groups or teams or individuals. And on a weekly basis, I have to see, you know, everything in between that. So I understand that the program is only as good as its application. If yeah. I, if I give somebody a program and it's got every, you know, every I dotted, every T crossed and it just looks perfect on paper, but we can't apply it. It's useless. Right. And so, you know, it'll impress. I mean, I could send it to colleagues and go, wow, that's a great program. But you know, the thing is, if, you know, you, you take a client or an athlete and they take a look at it and they have that look of a, of a dog looking at a oh. new bowl, not wondering if they should, <laughs> not wondering if they should eat out of it or not, you've already lost them and seeing then if you can't apply it, then, you know, common sense would tell you it's, it's of no use, but you see more and more of, you know, this, and when I review programs, I have guys send me programs. Hey, what do you think of this program? I'm like, I'm already confused. I need, yeah. I need a dick. I need, I need somebody to be able to decipher this and then translate it, even with me understanding where it's supposed to be going. And I'm right. still confused by it. So again, it goes back to that paralysis through analysis, that over analysis of, 
you know, do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? No, you just push, pull, squat, hip hinge, do core yep. stability. Yeah. And, um, yep. and then and then when you need mm-hmm. to add complexity to it, then you add complexity to it. Most people start out with the complex stuff. Yeah. And then they try to simplify it from there. And then that right. ends up being a huge compromise. Yeah. Kind of, kind of getting back to what you're talking about, the uh, just warming up and the joint mobility and all that. Now, Vince, now, do you think there is a place, though? Because one thing about it now, that like there's so many choices on YouTube about joint mobility. Oh, I got to warm this up and do this type of warm up and all that. Do you still think there is a place sometimes where you just like just to even just test yourself? To not just sit there and spend 15, 20 minutes with a warm-up, you know, do something really light, if anything, maybe just a couple of lifts, just kind of mimic what you're about to get into. Let's just say if I'm getting ready to go into a deadlift, a sub-maximal deadlift, you know, why would I want to spend 20 or 30 minutes warming up for a sub-maximal set? <laughs> you know, where some people are like, no, I have to get my warm-up. I have to get my warm-up. I can't start without my warm-up. You know, why not just, you know, go ahead and lift the bar just so you can start just getting your body programmed into that movement just just sit there and just take the yeah, bar step I mean, or a trap bar deadlift of, and then just sometimes right. just actually test yourself out some days where you just go and just do a lift without warming up for it like because guess at the end of the day a lot of times we want to train like there's re- like it's real life you know not everyone's going to be training for a meet or something like that sometimes you just things happen in real life where you're not gonna have time to warm up you know if there's a car on top of a kid you're not gonna sit there and like okay hold on hold on baby let mommy warm up and you know do some joint mobility before i'll try to lift this thing up so i don't pull my back something you know or something like that yes yeah, a very extreme example but again there are times in life where you're not gonna have time to warm up you're gonna have to do it right then and there so why not tra- train like that in the weight room every now yeah. and then so why does so- everything always have to be Okay, I got to do my 10-minute warm-up. I got to do my joint mobility drills. I have to do my stretching. Well, and, and a lot of the research shows that warming up does not prevent injury, actually. Right. More and more times when they've done studies, it actually showed the opposite. Of, I think I think what warming up does more than anything else is it mentally prepares someone for physical activity. Right. You're putting your body through ranges of motion, so you're loosening yourself up. But there were Bulgarians sincere who did who, who who got to the point where they could just take their max weight off the pins when they squatted or pick up their max weight on a clean. Mm-hmm. They trained themselves to do exactly what you just said, where they yeah. wouldn't do a lot of warm ups. They got to the point where they could just walk in and I'm not recommending this for the average person for a lot of reasons, right. but they they just got to the point where they didn't want to waste time on any of those warm up sets. And they trained themselves to have the ability where they could just go pretty close to their max sets, and in some cases, their max sets. Right. I think it'll. I think we're like we're using the example of heavy deadlifts. All those warm up sets I do, which are never more than three reps, right? So if I'm going to pull 505 for three, it might be 135 for three, 225 for three, 315 for three, 405 for three, 455 for two, and then bam. The point of all of that is just to get me mentally prepared more than anything else, because it would be daunting for me to walk in the gym and just load it up to five plates on each side. And without without testing the waters with the lighter weight, just go for it. Right. Yeah, you're, you guys are spot on. And I was going to say that the thing about the Bulgarians as well is that it's a it's a basic look at it as a psychophysical rehearsal. In other words, yeah. you're you're rehearsing both mentally, as you said, but also you're physically getting into the groove. What you don't want to do in a warm up is you don't want to burn your set. In other words, you don't right. want to start in. And that's another thing that I learned from Clarence Bass way back is when he the warm up that he does is so when you look at it, it's it's so small compared to what most people do. And then you look at, you know, where he is in his training career 
And the thing is, is that he's very efficient with his warm up time. And that's something, of course, I've, you know, probably go beyond that with, with everything that I do and, and you guys as well. But the, the thing is, is that even with somebody at his level, and he used to do a lot of Olympic lifting as well, is that you don't want to get to where you start tapping into the type of energy that you need for your actual work sets. And what I mean by that, your yeah. nervous system, you only got yeah. so much to go into that workout, to invest into that, into the actual work sets, into that workout. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to, as Clarence would always say, take the edge off of your actual workout in right. your warm up. And a lot of guys now, they turn the warm up into the, the workout. workout. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, a lot of times the warm ups don't even make sense. Like I saw a guy the other day doing, he was working up to a heavy bench press, so 135 for 10, you know, 225 <laughs> for 10. And then, and then he was doing low reps with 315 or something. I go, why don't you just do low reps on the warm-up sets on the way there? Because doing several sets of 10 is really not going to do much for your low rep heavier sets. So no, it's, it's, it's going to take away energy. Exactly. So, yeah. It's, gonna, it, it's two, two things going in opposite directions at that point. Now, right. now, the only exception would be you know some of the news about this coming out on hypertrophy. There's, uh, I know there's a st- came out that said that when you start with reps as high as say 50 and then you work all the way down to a, to a heavy set of five and so you're ramping up in weight and that's specific to hypertrophy work more than it is to what we're right. talking about mm-hmm. with strength you'd never do that in strength and so when you're working for right. for performance you definitely want to look at it from the standpoint of what do i need what's the least amount i can do to best prepare me to hit my target today and then anything more than that is going to take away from your workout. Now, it might be a little bit of trial and error as you go along, but the thing right. is, is that when you take information from each workout so that when you go into a session, you go, okay, last workout, I did that one extra warm-up set of five, and I probably only needed to hit one, say, before right. I went into my, my first work set, and things like that, and take that in, in, in journal it, and then understand what you need to do, and you'll be amazed at how efficient that yeah. you can make your warm-up process as you go along. And then, Sincere, what you were talking about earlier about just basically just scrapping the formal warm-up altogether, totally agree with that. I do that quite frequently, and actually I've gotten to that stage in, in my training to where I do my mobility stuff first thing in the morning. When I say mobility, mm-hmm. somebody can just call it dynamic warm-up, whatever you want to call it. doesn't right. matter. But I do right. that every morning. Then I lift later. I lift much later in the day. My first um, I, I typically like to break in my workouts into two brief sessions. I find at this stage in my life, I, I progress better that way. My body responds mm. better to two brief 25, 30-minute sessions. And if you watch me go into these sessions, I don't do any formal warm-up. I may roll out my thoracic spine if it feels like it's, you know, before I, I do any heavy um, bench press, anything like that. Or any kind of pressing, but there's not like this 10, 20 minute warm up that I'm doing because I do my mobility stuff early. And then if I'm feeling something in my, in my, you know, my hips, something like that, then I'll add a little extra stuff in, but it's all by need and by the appointment of that specific time as opposed to me, you know, going, okay, I've got to go through my 15 minute warm up before I can touch a weight. So you do want to look at it as mobility and then psychophysical preparation again mind body preparation to go in and get the job done that you're looking to do yeah i think i think with a lot of people is they they actually create an injury because if they if they're used to warming up and they think they need to warm up to avoid an injury and then they don't now they're going in worried they're going okay i didn't warm up so i i got to be careful here and then if something goes 
problem they automatically blame it on the fact that they mm-hmm. didn't warm up when it's probably because their technique was off because they were distracted from this paranoia that something is going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah and right. the thing is, your mental when you go where, wherever your mind is when you go into, especially when you're working on the edge as far as your you know your your heavier sets, if you will. Right. You're where, wherever you are. For instance, if you've had um, if you've had a personal issue, something that's working on you, whether it's, you know, financial, you know, social, something with, you know, a girlfriend, you know, um, right. I, I won't say wife, I, even though I'm married. But we, of course, we never have any issues. But um, <laughs> the, the, but if you go in and you're and you've got a slight bit of confusion and I know you guys can relate to this, especially once you get to a certain level, then you need if, you, if that junk is on your mind and you're getting under the bar for a heavy back squat. You're best to back out, clear your head, and then go back underneath the bar and then use it as a, you know, as a, as a, literally as a ritual, how you address the bar, because the likelihood of you getting hurt is much higher if you've got your mind on something else. Yeah, especially, especially barbell squats. I mean, (laughs) you know, you don't want to be thinking about the 20% APR in your Capital One credit card. (laughs) You just, you just took a heavy weight off the pit. That's, that's, that shouldn't be paramount on your mind. (laughs) And and that's, and that goes right back into the mental rehearsal of what a warm up, the benefit of a warm up is that it does help get you into that groove. It helps, you know, that, that ritual builds confidence so much. Yeah, it builds confidence. When I'm doing deadlifts and I'm hitting those warm-up sets, and let's say I'm about to pull five plates and I hit 405 and it's and it feels easy, it feels light. You now my confidence is huge going into the next set, and in some ways it's a good barometer of whether I should do the next set or not. If right. it, for some reason it feels really heavy and the bar speed is low, then adding more weight is definitely not going to improve anything. <laughs> so it's 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 a good assessment tool for you as well. Yeah, and it, keep, and it, it keep it keeps it specific too. Or instead of you going in and and, and really just having a you know general map, it keeps everything very specific to what you're doing at that time as opposed to just you know going in and then you know winging it basically and then hoping that something good happens out of it. Now what you guys are yeah, saying so right that, now about the, the whole mental thing. about the whole mental aspect and clearing your head, you know you're screwing with a lot of people right now because you know so many people use that gym as their therapist. And they're like, you know what? Screw my wife, screw her, she can't tell me what to do, or screw my boss. And they go into the gym and they want to train for two hours because that's where they go to escape life. So these are the people who are pretty much what we're talking about right now, they're the ones at the highest risk. Because one thing they can't really do is clear their head. Because they came there just for the fact of they're motivated by all the stuff that's going wrong outside the gym so they can stay inside there. So it's kind of like, what do you even tell them at that point? Besides, you know, actually, you know, go deal with your shit in real life and not try to do it in the gym. You know, you got to wonder about that. And I have a feeling a lot of times when you see these people who train for an hour, well, like two hours or whatever in the gym consistently seven days a week. You know, there's a reason why you're getting hurt. Besides, you're just overtraining. <laughs> Mentally, yeah. you're overtraining. You're 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 underthinking right. while you're in the gym, but you're overthinking when you're outside of the gym. And you think the gym is going to cure all that. And I'm pretty yeah. sure they're listening to this right now. Like, screw that guy. He doesn't know what I'm dealing with. He doesn't know about my problem. <laughs> and I don't want to know. Okay. So, <laughs> no, the they're going to send it right over to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I remember. I remember a girl told me once. She goes, "Man, if it wasn't for my workouts, I wouldn't be able to tolerate the job I hate." <laughs> And I go, well, man, you need to quit working out so that you can't tolerate the job and quit and go do something else that hey, are wasting time. You know? Here's my thing. Why? I got to ask this to anyone. Why are you tolerating anything? There's, I mean, I'm sorry. You shouldn't be tolerating a damn thing in life. There's just no thing. You shouldn't have to just do that because right now when you say you tolerate, it's like you're pretty much giving up your, your right, your principles or whatever it is for that just to appease someone else and to make them feel more comfortable. 
you know, like, come on, man. That's that's already going down a slippery slope. Anyway. I mean, you start going down that road, you're going to start <laughs> using kettlebells that look like gorillas. I mean, you know, there's no tell, there's no telling how messed up you can get. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, where, now, where, Ooh, that, where, that, where that, that was a slam dunk. That was like sincere and I played like the, the equivalent of basketball of the podcast. See, that was me. Like, that, you that, set that, it that up, I grabbed yeah, that, that was ball, me, bam. That was me being Magic Johnson, and then that's Kareem over there going ahead and just slamming it and taking it home. Like, I, I see what you're doing, sincere. I'll the take look it. Away. The look away. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so what else is on this list of pet peeves, Vince? The underutilized words whenever we're talking about anything related to training. Mm. All things being equal. That's always left out. You notice that when somebody gives you either some some study that's come out or any kind of just, you know, even as anecdotal, you know, evidence to something, they leave out the all things being equal. Whenever they go, this is the best this, this is the worst this, never do this, always do this. They never really get to that. The fact is all things being equal. Yes, that is the best way to go. I mean, but when are all things being equal? I mean, and that's and that's and that's the thing that we've got to address is that when we're talking about, first of all, what are you training for? Are you training for muscle hypertrophy? Are we training for performance? Are we training for pure strength? Are you training for general fitness? Are you training for, you know, to just look good naked? Are you training to um, to be able to, you know, get out of a chair? You know, mm-hmm. and that's and there. And once you clarify that. Then we start talking about what's the best for this, what's the best for that. And again, the fact that I train, you know, just such a wide span of people, no two people are equal. And and even if they're in the same category, so that when we start looking at the different categories and then somebody can, you know, in any magazine or on any website and say, you should only do this, you should never do this. You say, and I see it all the time. It's like, how is that? That is that is that is so idiotic to even be able to breathe those words when the fact is there is no such thing as everything being equal. Well, careful, Vince, because you need to tread lightly because according to our last episode, the last thing you want to do on this show, buddy, is do some science bashing. Sounds like you're science bashing, man. You, if you're, <laughs> Not if at you're, all. If you're questioning the studies, Vince, you know, God help you. You know, you better watch what you say because we don't want to question science because if it's a study, it has to be true for everyone, right? I'll answer it with this. This is this is this is my <laughs> quote. I've never heard anybody else say this before, but I know that everybody probably says they've said some version of this. There is science in everything that we do training wise, but it is not a science. There is science in it, but it is not a science. If it was everybody, the three of us could all train exactly the same, have the same exact response, um, both mentally, physically, every other aspect that we're looking for to get from the training that we're applying. And we yeah. would all have the same same response. Oh, now, so that's a good oh, point. So I mean, a lot, case, of, a lot of studies. We should, all eat the right, we should all eat the same then. So since we all, you know, our ancestors ate a certain way, all three of us should be eating like this, right? <laughs> well, well, then it's all about diet then. You know, then oh. that's the thing is that, is that oh. then we can say. It's not a say, diet, hey, Vince. It's, it's not a it's diet. 100%, it's 100%. Well, it's all about. <laughs> it's a way of life, it's son. About, it's all about nutrition. <laughs> it's all about nutrition. And then we can say, hey, it doesn't matter how we train because it always comes back to it's only nutrition. Now, we know how important nutrition is, especially when it comes into body composition. But what we're talking about is that all things being equal, now are they? Even the three of us, even the three of us talking right now, how much of what we're about is equal? It's probably very similar, 
but how much of it is equal? It's not. I mean, so that yeah. there, there we go again. Right. And it's not about, and, and again, we learn from all the scientific studies and, it's, and I'm not saying to just ignore all of it and just, you know, stick your head in the sand and then take the other approach, which is just throw it up on the wall and hope that it sticks. sticks. <laughs> yeah. Cause you get that too. You get people, all you do is you go into these commercial gyms or especially these anytime fitness or whatever they call them, you know, everyday fitness <laughs> stuff. And you go and you watch and watch how each individual will go to the machine that nobody's on and then they go to the most popular machines and then they find their way around it and it's basically go in and sweat and do something that makes you feel like you're you're doing something to alleviate the guilt of having not done anything and then you hope that something good happens because nine out of ten of these people some of them may have a plan some of them may have a program will basically tell you i'm just working hard i've got to lose weight I'm working hard because I want my biceps to be bigger. I'm working hard because I want, in other words, they're thinking that there's something magical that's going to happen by them doing something as opposed to nothing. And, the, and anytime somebody goes, just do something, that's another of my pet peeves. I have an absolute abhorrence. <laughs> that attitude when I right hear, there just can, do something. <laughs> that attitude just right there it. can mess up the world right there. You're like, hey, just go do something. Well, I'm just going to go shoot up all these people because they don't agree with me. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same thing. You can't, don't just do something. Have a freaking plan. Make sure that it actually has a, a benefit that's going to really enhance the situation and not take away from it. So think about that. But don't just try to wing it all the freaking time. You know, there's some, sometimes there can be something said about winging it, you know, just for the sense of adventure and just testing yourself like, oh, okay, it wasn't bad. But it's not something you do consistently, you know, being just that guy that's just careless and reckless because that's what's going to happen because you're going to get you're going to get some type of payback that you're not going to want when it comes down to it. And then it becomes like those people, Mike, were just saying they, they blame the program then like, well, I was winging it and I was trying to do it this way and, blah, 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 and it didn't work for me. That's not what they wrote down in that program, dude. Well, see, that goes, that goes right back to the same thing about, about, you know, if we look at it just from the perspective of you two guys. For you two guys, say, go on vacation and you're two weeks away and you go in and you just have a modest facility that's got some, you know, you know, marginal equipment, a lot of, you know, obviously most of what you're going to be doing is your body weight and you guys winging it. I guarantee you it's going to be a productive workout. Even if, even if I'm not even watching you guys and you guys said, Hey, we trained for two weeks while we were away. I don't have any question because you understand principles. You understand you've had enough time in the trenches that you can, you guys can get a good workout, a quality workout where it benefits you when you come back to your normal routine compared to somebody else that doesn't have that foundation. And they go in and wing it. But see, they're winging it right down the street. I'm talking about you guys going on vacation and being away from your, um, you know, from the common denominators that you typically have training wise for you right. guys to go in there and get a quality workout in a hotel room is, is very likely. What whereas, whereas, you know, guys that don't have any idea what they're doing and they go in, they, they take that same mentality every single day. So I agree with you. I think <clears> there's something exciting. You find out a lot about training, you know, by scrapping your your typical plan and just going in and saying okay i'm gonna i'm gonna you know go by fuel i'm gonna go by you know the old instinctive training principle i think is what they call it i mean that's there's a lot to be gained from that so we're not talking about because then we go back to the training legalism thing too you know where oh you've got to have a plan and you've got to follow it exactly according to this law or else and that's the other thing that I segue into the overutilization of one rep maxes and I'm talking yeah. in terms of strength coaches, too. We're not just talking about, you know, guys training, you know, men or women training themselves. We're talking about strength coaches and you know, where strength coaches have they live and die by the one RMs and having trained enough guys like I have and understanding that 
kids, um, you know, professional athletes, they all respond differently to percentages in that one rep max. Some of them are going to be stronger in a five rep max. Some of them will be stronger in a one rep max. So the thing is, is that you cannot assess their progress on a wall chart. Yeah. So you've got you've got to, and we've touched on that in the past. You know, some some are going to be better at at, at their one rep max. Some are going to be yeah. better at their ten rep max, and so it's all progress, though. It's it makes long- makes more sense to determine mm-hmm. someone's fiber type. At least, I mean, then you don't have to take it to an extreme where you do a biopsy or something like that. But <laughs> right. Just look at just look at how they respond <laughs> to certain reps. Like I'm I'm way better. I love training low reps and I love training heavy, but I'm naturally better for repetition work. So strength endurance type stuff. Actually, I can move a lot faster in terms of gains with that. And then some other people are just fast twitch animals where they just are really good in that one to three rep range. And then if they take, let's say, 70 percent of their one rep max, they can't do much more in terms of repetitions compared to someone who has more slow twitch fibers. And that's and exactly. But the thing is, is that you make progress in either case, but if you're right, right. but if you're mm-hmm. limited in your mindset to only one or the other on that, and then then it's um it first of all it destroys your confidence and destroys your your passion for training. But then at the same time, if you're dealing with a young athlete, that they're going to get hurt. You know, now you're right. T- people people max out way too often. You're definitely mm-hmm. right about that. I mean, I see people maxing out almost every week on main lifts, and that's just way too often. And the thing with you know as far as you know, then again, you got to ask yourself, you know, what am I training for? And, right. and that's another thing that some people just do not make the clarification. I mean, yeah, are you training? Uh... <laughs> is physique your your primary purpose of touching a weight? If it is, you train differently than if strength is. Yes. And yes, there's some crossover. There's no doubt about it. There's you know, there's there's going to be your 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 lifting weights in in both cases. And then you have the general fitness. Well, just, just real quick, Vince, mm-hmm. just just briefly delineate the difference between training for strength and training for size. And just, just like how you would break down a program. You don't have to go into extreme detail, but just do a brief overview. Well, training for strength, you're going to be, you're going to train, be as fresh as you can for each set. That's something that probably, and, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir when I tell you guys that because you, you fully understand. I mean, everything that, for instance, you know, that, um, you know, what we know from, from way back as far as strength training and then, you know, what, what Pavel, you know, what he brought into the whole thing to basically sure. commercialize it is that you stay as fresh as you can and then you make gradual increases that you can that are um, quantifiable in terms of you know the, the weights that you're lifting as long as the mechanical integrity is there because if you're changing your mechanics as you're as you're adding weight you're not really getting stronger so as long as you're technically sound with everything and the, and you keep your reps low and you're not going to failure that's, that's another thing that I do not I'm not an advocate of if, if strength training is your primary primary purpose in training to increase strength i'm not a proponent of going to failure i think you should stop just this side of it you can if it happens it's not like okay your program's dead but at the same time you should try to stay this side of going to failure Uh, muscle hypertrophy Mm -hmm. so you so you stop you stop before you miss a reps in other words you're not going to do every set until you literally can't complete a rep and then you stop you stop shy of that Exactly. And you, and then volume wise, you use just what is needed, not how much you can stand. And that's right. another thing. In other words, if you're, if you're hitting four sets and the kid goes, well, I want to add two more. Why? <laughs> why? You know, I mean, why do we need to add two more? Why do we need to, um, leave the, the weight room, you know, just completely drilled? Cause more that's is better. Thing. More is better. That's, a, that's a pet peeve that all of us, I think, can agree with where some people, the goal is fatigue. If they're not completely wiped yeah. out after, 
I had some people take a workshop and they were disappointed that they weren't wiped out afterwards. <laughs> I go, it's not a boot camp. You know, the point of a workshop, it's a six hour day where we're learning techniques and so forth. And I have to pace it in a way where you can make it through that entire day. Now, if you want to be wiped out, it's not going to be a six-hour day. It's going to be a 30-minute day because I'll wipe you out in the first 30 minutes. You can go home. Yeah, exactly. That, right I mean, there, yeah, that shows me how mindless they are as well because my thing, if you're going to a workshop and you're learning, just to sit there and try to comprehend the information and take it all in, you don't even have to do anything physically. Just just listening to all that new material and trying to process it and unlearning all the crap that you learned coming to that or unlearning all the other things that you were doing before that, that right there should have you wiped out to the point where you're physically you're like, okay, you have the physical part too. Like, okay, dude, I'm done for the weekend. Thanks you a lot, tired. man. You should be tired because you, you're asking so many questions exactly. in the instructor space. <laughs> you know, anytime I've taken a course, I'm front row and I'm asking that instructor every question I can think of. I'm there to get my money's worth. Exactly. Wife, you know? <laughs> So when people come to the course, my course, they're like, oh, sorry, one more question. I'm like, you don't have to apologize, man. You spent, you spent good money. You took time out of your day. You're here. Do it. You know, I would do the same thing you're doing. Ask those questions. Get the most you can out of a course. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I took Tim Larkin's class You're wiped out after that weekend. I mean, completely yeah. touched. Yeah. Now, if he, if he had you in there sparring, going full speed, doing, you know, I mean, you know, grappling, doing the whole bit, you wouldn't <laughs> learn. <laughs> the, what you learn in two yeah. days, mm-hmm. the quality of work and, and having and I'm a lifetime martial artist. And what I learned in two days was just mind blowing. Right. And awesome. from the standpoint of um, self-protection and it, you know, yeah. he knows that I've told him that personally. I mean, that's, 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 I'm not the only one that says that, but oh, yeah. what you mm-hmm. learn in that intensified, just like with, you know, you're talking about a workshop with you. If they wanted to brutalize us physically while we were going through that, you, you would not retain the information. You'd be so concerned about surviving <laughs> that it'd be very little carryover that you took home and, and actually could apply. But in this, in that circumstance, and that, that was one of the things that I actually learned a lot just on coaching, on the way that they handled, you know, I know it's a whole nother topic, but the way that not they sure. handled that whole weekend was something that we can all learn from yeah. because they broke it down and allowed you. I mean, it just, I don't know how long it took them to tweak it to get it down to that exact I'm going to use the word science that they could, but they, they got it to where you retained everything beautifully from hour to hour. And then you come back and they touch on things just enough to go back over it, but not to completely rehash it where it becomes monotonous. And then you go to the next stage and you go to the next stage and then you leave that weekend and you're worn out. But at the same time, you're amazed at how much you retain and how much you actually go, you know, I know this now. And yeah. so, um, and that's, and that's coming from somebody that already thought they knew a whole bunch. So I was actually at a disadvantage because I could have just started poking holes in things and well, I would do this differently. And I, would yeah, do that yeah and trust me, those and people I, exist, exist you know, all the time, you know, it's just, and, but it, that, I think that comes from right there experience. And the thing is dialing it in, the more and more you teach, the more and more you can dial it in and you can really refine and really break it down to where it's just these little bite-sized morsels that people can actually consume instead of just giving them, shoving a whole apple pie in their mouth. It's like, here, man, take a bite of the apple. And no, again, Tim, that comes uh, Tim, from teaching. Tim's teaching. the master of that. Yeah. And yeah, also, Tim's the master of that. Free, He's always you know? refining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tim being is, ego-free Tim is always recording. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. what, 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 they, what they do, and again, it's something that we can apply to everything that we're doing, is mm-hmm. that they make, they, you can, they find the complex and the simple, and then they simplify the complex. So they can take something that is so obviously simple if you were just to watch somebody do it where you'd say, well, I don't, you know, I don't need to learn how to do that. I already know how to do it. It's kind of like, you know, teaching somebody how to breathe. 
you know, they, they're all, I'm already breathing. But in, when you really break it down and teach somebody how to breathe more efficiently, they're amazed at how much better they breathe. And then, and so with that, then the complex stuff becomes simple. So it's kind of this inverse thing relationship and training is a lot like that, you know, keep the simple things, you know, as simple as they are, but get to where somebody's actually paying attention when they're doing the simple things. And then when they have to go to the complex things, whether it's a complex lift, some, you know, like an Olympic lift, they're able to dial in on that complexity as if it's simple. And I know it's going to go over most people's head when I'm, what I'm saying, because it sounds like a bunch of, you know, hot air philosophy, but there's a <laughs> lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth. Now, I don't want to lose uh, what we were talking about, the you know, hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. The difference, okay, we talked about strength. Now, you train for hypertrophy. It's more about density. And again, that's nothing, mm-hmm. that's not a new magical term. It's something that most people have heard about. But what what is density? Density is not just doing a whole bunch of volume and, again, hoping that you get a good pump that's going to carry over to greater muscle growth. It's about understanding that more quality. Quality's got to be there first. What is quality? Quality means using the right amount of resistance, using the right technique, meaning mechanical integrity again, you know, technical integrity, whatever you want to call it, to make sure that you're sustaining tension in the muscle because you've got to have tension in the muscle. And it's not so much about counting how many seconds you've got it under load, but just focus on tension, intramuscular tension, and then accumulating some kind of metabolic stress along the way. So we need tension you need metabolic stress and then you need some type of muscle damage, you know, eccentric training, something, you know, where you're doing either eccentric, eccentric accentuation where you're using both hands to go up, one hand to go down or, you know, something similar to that, or you're doing eccentrics where you've got a training partner helping you with that. And you don't need to do a ton of that, but you do need to do some of it on a consistent basis. And then that would be very regulated. You wouldn't just go, Hey, let's knock out, you know, 30 minutes of doing nothing but negatives. You know, you'd be in big trouble then. So you put it in there very judiciously in a program. So if you've got those three components, that would be the the perfect recipe for muscle hypertrophy. Uh, Brad Schoenfield has done, done a great job of clarifying that over the last few years. It's something that I think we all instinctively that, you know, looked at hypertrophy and go, okay, it's really a combination of, you know, lifting heavy, doing more volume, doing some high reps, you know, goes, you know, a lot of guys have done the, you know, start with, you know, heavy weights and then, you know, finish up with a pump set, things like that. I mean, it's, that's kind of the, you know, simplified way of doing exactly what we're talking about, but it's more of a combination of things. Strength is your emphasis. You can focus on low reps, you know, you can do the the five three one until the cows come home. I'm just I'm I think you get bored with it, but I think that there's a lot to be said that that's really what you need to do as long as you're recovering and you're taking some you know some unloading weeks and making sure that your body is is getting is recovering. You're mentally um, staying fresh. I think that you can continue to make good progress on Windler's program or something yeah. similar to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, for size and strength or strength, the density stuff definitely works. I mean, Charles Daly has EDT, which is very effective. And then Ethan Reeve has density training as well that he's written about. And it's basically just doing, let's say you have 30 minutes to work out. The goal is to get more repetitions on whatever you're working on in that 30-minute time frame. So you're just getting more work done in the same time frame. And that that definitely leads to size. to Not so much strength gains. You'll get some, but more of the hypertrophy. Yeah, and that's the thing is that most people don't clarify really what their what their primary objective is. Right. And and with that, 
then they complain that they're not getting the result that they want. And I'm like, if you if you really don't have a designated target on that map, don't complain about the lack of result that you're getting. Now, right. that, that, now there'll be certain phases that you'll focus more one on the other. I mean, it's not like you you know forever have to focus on strength or forever have right. to focus on hypertrophy, but you definitely for that <clears throat> period in time when you touch that weight, what is your objective? Is it to move the load or are you loading the move? And that's a, and I say that because it's an easy way to remember, you know, load the move, remove the load. In other words, if you're just thinking A to B, I got to get this A to B three times right. and, and you're using good technique, you'll get stronger. If you load, load in a progressive fashion, you'll get stronger now. Or is it I'm going to load this move? I'm going to lay on my back. I'm going to do, you know, uh, I'm going to mimic a bench press. I mean, where I've got it, but I'm not going to put a bar in my hands now. I need to load this. I need to load this because I'm not feeling anything. I'm going through the motion of a bench press, <laughs> and then you load, and then you know if my target is eight to ten reps, then I'm going to load sufficient so that I'm at my kinesthetic limit. And what that means, you're positive. I don't like using the word failure, um, except explaining this, obviously. But if you get to that point where you'd have to change something to get another rep, that's the right load for that rep range. Right. You then learn to be able to duplicate that on a consistent basis. I also believe when it comes down to muscle hypertrophy as well as strength, I think um, training frequency is is something that I'm a huge advocate of. I, I used to think, you know, you could destroy a muscle group, you know, once every, you know, seven to ten days, you know, even or certainly every five to seven days and then right. let it rest. And I, well, I never got any gains. I'm, I'm relatively, you know, you know, not a fast gainer by any stretch of the imagination. So hypertrophy comes relatively, you know, at a modest rate for me always has. Yeah. So, so it's not like I ever got any big gains from that anyway, but certainly now at right at 50 years of age to be able to maintain the muscle that I have frequency has become, you know, one of my primary tools. You know, and, I think and, frequency is frequency is interesting. I mean, that's some, and some exercises i some exercises such as pressing, I find I have to do frequently to get results. Other exercises such as deadlifts, I, I like hitting it pretty hard. Like Mark Phillippe, Ed Cohen deadlift program, that's a once-a-week deadlift program. And it's pretty high volume, at least for the first three weeks. And then it's mm-hmm. fairly high intensity for the rest of it. And it's even though you're only deadlifting once a week, I find I respond a lot better to that than some of the Russian systems where you're doing low reps with, let's say, 60%, 70% of your one rep max five days a week. No, and, and I, I'm, actually, I'll respond very similar to that. And I think what happens, it goes right back to the same thing, is that yeah. I know that mentally, if I deadlift any more than once a week, I don't like looking at that bar. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so for me, I've got <laughs> exactly. it's, it's it's once a week, and I find that I start to crave that movement again, I, you know, yeah. the heavy the heavy load again, <laughs> exactly. in about a week. Exactly. Exactly. It takes it, about it, that time. Whereas the other, exactly. you know, exactly. um Pull-ups, chin-ups, things like that. If I only did those once a week, I'd stay sore. My elbows, <laughs> yeah. my elbows would stay sore. And pull-ups probably- you could do every day, and you'll get it. Exactly. I mean, for those of you that want to improve your pull-up, I have a pull-up bar in my backyard. I just go out there several times throughout the day, just bang out a few yeah. reps. I do the same thing, pressing. Yeah, yeah. That, that grease in the groove for a lot of exercises really works. I mean, I think you can make it work for deadlifts, but like you said, Vince, even if you're only using 60% of your one rep max, it's, it's light, but who wants to do that every day? <laughs> you know, yeah. Who wants – who wants to go do that? Who wants to just load up the bar at home and just hit out your two sets? I, I like training the deadlift heavy, and I like training it once a week for the exact reasons you just said, Vince, where 
after you complete that workout, you don't want to think about the deadlift for a while. But as you get closer to that next workout, you start yeah, looking up, forward man. to it. Again. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Okay, yeah. Of, tomorrow yeah. I'm doing deadlifts and I'm looking forward to it now. Yeah. yeah. And, and you go in through trial and error or through time, you start to understand certain mm-hmm. exercises are that way. And it kind of dials it in itself. It's not something you have to actually think too much about. You'll just, you'll find that yeah. mentally you're looking forward to that next workout and then, or mentally you're just absolutely burned out on a weekly basis if you do it any more frequently than that. Now, right. one thing that I will do that um, complements, <clears throat> say, a heavy lift like a deadlift is that there's, you know, other work that I'll do for the posterior chain throughout the week. And I find that that really does help right, the deadlift right. big right, time, right. whether it's glued ham, yeah, uh, raises, yeah. you know, things right. like that. I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's not like you're completely eliminating any, you know, any stress to that area. You're just not specifically doing the deadlift. Right. And, yeah. And right. I find that yeah. I, agree, I agree that the grease, the groove has never really clicked with me with the deadlift for whatever reason. I mean, even, I just, it, even kettlebell just swings are beneficial for that because you, you still, you, you're working right. on that hip hinge and that explosiveness. Yeah. So you can just kind of just go. So, but at the same time, it's sub maximal weight. So you're not killing yourself, but and also it benefits you for the fact like, However tight and sore you're going to be after that heavy deadlift session that week, a little later on down the line, if you're doing something like kettlebell swings, man, what you're doing is just kind of really, you're kind of massaging and relax, you know, helping those muscles recover a lot faster yeah. by moving them again. Not just, okay, I'm going to do the deadlift and I'm not going to do anything that remotely has to do anything with my hips hinging again until next Monday. You know, that right there is doing yourself a disservice as well because now you're not, it's yeah. going to take a little longer to warm up and then you're probably going to wear yourself out trying to prepare your body for another heavy deadlift session a week later by doing that. Exactly. And I've tried that in the past and actually have had more back problems. Yeah, when buddy. I did that. You know, <laughs> no and that, so, and, and I, and I'll say this. I learned by watching Mike do the outside the leg kettlebell swing. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've implemented that in all of our programs now since Mike. So Mike, you deserve the, the credit on that. Are you oh, kidding you. me? That, that, that is probably the best trap exercise. Yeah. Buddy. Oh my God. Tra- Charles, fire, man. I'm, Tra- I'm feeling, I'm feeling that now because I, I haven't done those in a little bit and I just started doing them again recently. And mm-hmm. I did like five sets of 12 with double seventies after my deadlift workout. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling those. T- I've been feeling those for a few days. <laughs> nothing <laughs> hits the, nothing hits the traps like that exercise. Nothing I don't do anything exactly. else for traps. Other no. than yeah. that. And tra- Charles, St- Charles yeah. Staley and I were talking about that. And then I know, I think it was, um, Brett Contreras, um, had, he was training with him at the time. And I said, Charles, you've got to try the outside the leg, um, kettlebell swing. And he questioned it. He was like, you know, he, just, he couldn't identify with kettlebells at the time. And then, Oh, month later, he did them and sent me this text said that he can barely touch his traps on both sides, <laughs> vertical traps without the, the tenderness being there. And I told him, I said, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I've never seen, you know, um, you know, any EMG studies or anything on it, but I'm telling you, man, I mean, the proof is in it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You got, you got that folks. There's no study to affirm that double swings outside the feet hits the traps. How dare so you, you son gonna... of a bitch. Don't you question the science, <laughs> but, yeah. but the, 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 the personal study is that your traps are super sore the next day. And that's right, kind of valid, man. right? <laughs> No, I learned about it from a guy named – I forget his name now. He posted as Green Ghost uh, when I used to post on the Dragondor forum back in the day and then a few other forums. Really strong guy. Eddie's his first name. I forget his last name. And he's actually the guy who turned me on to the whole swings outside the feet, double snatches outside the feet, and double swings. And he's a really strong guy. You know, he was using 100-pound kettlebells each hand for lots of repetitions and so forth. So I actually played around with it after talking to him, and then I just found it was a nice fit for my body type. I do both versions just because I think there's pros and cons of each, but my preference is definitely outside the feet. Yeah, and I think that is something we're talking about the deadlift. What is a complimentary 
drill for the deadlift, say on a, you know, two days later or something like that type right. situation. And that, that does it right there. I mean, I do both yeah. versions like you every week in, um, in relatively high volume in both. I don't really look at it as a strength move as much anymore, but it's, um, yeah, me too. you know, but it's, um, and then conditioning wise, I mean, it's, you know, all you have to do is wear a heart rate monitor and you, you're pretty much going to, you know, yeah, well, ten, kind of, ten sets of ten, yeah. 45 second breaks. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. serious conditioning work. Exactly. That's simple too. Just ten sets of ten, double swings outside the feet, chest level or slightly above. No you want to make it harder? Do do 25 Hindu squats in between. There you go. Said. If you really want to have a complete lower body workout, simple. You could do that anytime. It's incredible. Yeah, no doubt about it. Or you could just turn it into a front squat. You can go, you know, just clean the bells up and do front squat too. Low reps in the front squat while you're doing high reps on the swings outside the legs. And that's another good combination. Say if you're doing fives and tens, you know, and say, but you're going to need to set the weights down in between. So basically what you do is a five rep set of front squat, you know, depending on what, what load you're using, but you can, you know, obviously you can go ahead and load it up like you're talking about maybe the 32s and then bring them down, swing them outside. Rest for 30 seconds and then hit it again. So you're doing that's fives cool. and tens all the way through. And that's, a, that's another real good, especially like I said, on one of those, you know, one of those days that are maybe two days removed from, you know, a heavy front squat, heavy deadlift day or something like that. Yeah, it mimics the deadlift nicely for me because I use a close stance when I deadlift. I use a close stance and my grip is, grip width is fairly close as well. I just found that works really well for me. So it's, it's a, it's a double, it's a version of the kettlebell swing that, mimics the way i deadlift so i think there's a nice transfer as well right no doubt no argument here man let's get into some stuff where we can create some arguments (laughs) you have any (laughs) you have any you have any more pet peeves what do you think about one of the things that we actually talked about last week is like our our friend scott shetler made a good point in one of his books talking about he, he didn't say that he doesn't care about studies, but he made a point of saying, look, there's a lot of things I've learned which are not backed up by studies, and I don't under I, I, I don't give them any less credibility just by the fact that they don't have any double-blind study to back it up. Where, where do you fall on the whole thing on the importance of studies? I think studies, for me anyway, they basically – confirm stuff that we know more than they're giving us something that's new. Right. And, I know, and, <laughs> right. I, and again, I, and I know that that, you know, any of my scientific buddies out there, they're probably not buddies anymore, but because I know they make a livelihood off of that. And, and I, and I, hey, look, I read the stuff. I mean, it's, it's not like I'm looking at it and, and saying that it's got no benefit whatsoever, but I do see that it tends to confirm stuff that we know and as opposed to completely changing our thought processes on anything. I mean, I, right. I've, yet, I've yet to read, I've yet to see any study when it comes down to training that, that we can really look at and say, okay, you know, 25 years ago, you know, I thought this. And now because of this coming out, I completely have changed my view on everything. Now, from a practical right. sense, from a things that just I now do better than I did 25 years ago. Absolutely. But it's not because of, you know, a scientific study that came out that caused me to completely throw everything you know that I was doing out the door. And I've yeah. got, you know, I've, I've kept journals, you know, for as long as I've been doing this. And I look back at it and I go, some of the stuff that I literally was doing 25, 30 years ago, you know, I, I, it's not, I mean, I'm doing it better now, hopefully, but it's not like I'm doing it that much different than when, than then. I mean, whether, you know, program design has gotten better. Obviously the stuff that we talk about, you know, where you put mobility stuff in, you're taking, you have better understanding of technique, better understanding of how to, how to squat and deadlift and all that. But I mean, we're still squatting and deadlifting and we're still, <laughs> yeah. you know, pushing and pulling stuff. I mean, it's, it, right. um, and then, you know, now we're doing weighted carries and it's like, yeah, that's stuff that we were doing way back. We didn't call it 
anything. We just picked stuff up and carried it, knew it was challenging and knew that something good was happening when we were doing it. And and now it's like in every every time I see a program, you know, suitcase carry, you know, waiters walk carry and all this. And I'm like, well, there's nothing nothing brand new about that. That that's right. stuff that we were doing. It's just basically a moving plank. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that, that would probably be another one of the pet peeves is that I think we're, we're, we, we're getting overwhelmed by this new age stuff that's outside the box. And it's like, no, it's been in the box all along. You know, it's been there, but somebody's, you know, basically, you know, smashed the box up and then call it a new box. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's all been there. And, and, (laughs) you know, it's just a matter of how you, how you, it depends on it. Another thing. It depends on who's telling you, you know, what, what it is. If it's and what's their motivation behind it? Yeah, it's like, okay, what are you selling me, man? You know, when you name this stuff, you know, that's another thing in our industry. They're trying to sell us something by calling it all this other stuff. Well, you know, it's all about marketing. You know, you market yeah. you market something and you can call it something. You know, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, two people can say the exact same thing, show the exact same drill. One person's going to be a superstar and the other person's going to be, you know, some knucklehead that just came up with something that, um, you know, looks kind of silly. You know, and, and well, so whenever- that's... Yeah, whenever there's alarmist methods that are utilized, that's usually a red flag. Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, you're going to be missing out on this. You're going to be screwed and all that. And there's, there's a really good book out there. I want to get the author on the show. It's called The Gluten Lie. And he really breaks yeah. down where this whole anti-gluten just uh, ideology came from. And it basically – basically the, just to get to the point with this is that if you have celiac disease, which is serious, that's a serious autoimmune disorder, then yeah, you absolutely have to avoid grains. But what they extrapolated is they're saying, okay, it's bad for people with celiac. So it's probably bad for people who don't have it. So no one should eat grains. And that's not, that, that's, <laughs> that's a very poor extrapolation. Just because something is bad for a very small percentage of the population doesn't mean that it's an, even an issue at all for anyone else. So if you don't have celiac, there really isn't an issue with, with gluten, with, with grains for most people. Yeah. And I think we could see that across the board. You know, it's, it's a, gluten is a, is a hot topic right now or, you know, gluten free. So I think that that's a very appropriate thing, but I think it's a microcosm in a lot of ways to what we're seeing, you know, in, in fitness in general, you know, don't ever do this. And, and right, speaking, right. speaking, speaking in absolutes, you know, people, yeah, you know, yeah. Anything, mm-hmm. any, anything spoken in absolutes, I always basically tell everybody ignore it, you know, because what, <laughs> because I mean, because yeah. somebody trying to sell you something, you know, or somebody trying to, you know, create a career off of, off of an absolute, you know, off of, off of an extreme statement that, you know, and there is no such thing, you know, and then, you know, and then they try to get the, you know, the, the herd of followers through that, you know, to everybody jump on board. And then the thing is, is that there's going to be a little bit of truth in every absolute statement or, or well, you can even make the statement. So when somebody, like you said, they use anecdotal evidence, you know, they make an extreme statement and they say, well, and they point over here and say, well, this, this, and this, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, playing basketball, you know, makes you tall because tall people play basketball, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and then well, somebody, I'm oh, wow, well, I'm going to take up, yeah, well, I'm gonna add, yeah, I want to add five inches. So I'm going to start playing basketball. I'm going to make sure, you know, my five kids play basketball. And, and so it's that kind of stuff right there where you're making these statements just to get an effect. But the, thing, the scary part, a lot of these people really believe they're crap, well, you know, and yeah. that's and that's and so it's not like they're saying it and they're going, well, I'm manipulating people, you know, for either well, prestige or I mean, here's yeah. the thing with people is that if you if you say things in a convincing manner, you have absolute conviction, then a lot of people are going to believe it because a lot of us. A lot of us want to be manipulated and we want to be fooled and we also want to believe that someone knows more than we do. Exactly. So I mean there have been times where I talk about hormone optimization stuff and people are like, Wow, you know, you, you really know your stuff and I go, How do you know? 
whether I know my stuff or not. You don't know enough words. to know whether using I know my stuff. Using big words I can't pronounce. Yeah. That's why, Mike. So, <laughs> right. And I can't even look them up in the dictionary, it, so you must know something. No, but it's more the delivery, though. So if you say yeah. something with conviction, I yeah. mean, this is what every master hustler does, right? That's like you watch these shows like American – no, like American <laughs> Greed. You watch these shows, and you're watching these shows going, man, how do these people get hoodwinked? And the, the reality is it's not that hard because, one, we want to be convinced. And, two, if someone's very good at convincing, then, well, there you go. It's a nice matchup. Yeah, and the thing in the field of fitness, and this is another thing I, and I just now had a brain fart and it just came back to me that I was going to touch on. Any field, you can call the fitness field, call it the you know strength and conditioning field, that it actually is easier to enter with accreditation, you know, certification type stuff, where you can get you know they have things on ESPN now where they advertise getting certified in a weekend or through the internet or whatever it is. And then they guarantee that you're going to have a job within whatever you get your money back. Any kind of profession, 24 hour fitness, you'll have a job. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, but any, any kind of profession where it actually is easier to enter the field because of certifications instead of it being the other way around, because, you know, as we well know, certifications are fine. You do them, whatever. I mean, you know, I, did them way I, back I, and do I, I hate certifications, man. I'm just going to say it. I just hate the whole concept. I, I hate the whole discuss- concept. I just had of, this discussion, man. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to ruin that. your show. Uh, I didn't want to ruin no, your no, show. I, don't, I, don't, I don't teach certifications. People always ask me, how come you never did a kettlebell certification? I just mm-hmm. do not believe in the concept at all because I'll tell you what. I spent four months training with top strength coach Mark Philippi. I learned more in those four months than the last 10 years. You can't possibly learn what I learned in those four months in a weekend. I don't care who's teaching it or even three days, four days a week. So if you want to get really skilled at something, go find somebody who's great. If someone came to you, Vince, and was they're your apprentice for four months, they are going to leave with a wealth of knowledge and confidence and information. And the thing is, there are – very few that are willing to go through that. Yeah, that's the thing. They want. They want it now. <laughs> they they want it. They want what they want is they want. They use charisma instead of actual being actually being able to coach anybody to teach anybody. And and it's, it goes right back to the are you a coach or are you a cheerleader? You know they think that if they can just get somebody to believe that they know enough to cause that person to think or that group of people to believe that they're quote experts in what the, what they do. Then they've got a career. They at least for the, at well, least for the week. Here's, here's the you one know, thing. The thing that, no, oh, oh no, go ahead, Vince. I, I'll touch on it. Just like go ahead and finish. No, what I, well, the point is is that it's only when you're doing enough work where you're working with enough different people because it goes right back to none of us are exactly the same. Where you've had to tweak programs that you designed, where you've had, where you've flat out designed what you thought was a perfect program. And then you realize, hey, I've got to keep this thing alive. I've got to change something here. I've got to adjust because something's not clicking. Something's not. You cannot learn that in a certification. You can't you can't no. learn it in a weekend. You can't learn it in a year. You've got to learn it through being in the trenches and going over and over and over again, having to do what you thought was best and then realize, wait a minute, no. Nah. And that was not enough. I've got to do something different. No, you, have, you, have to, you have to you have to create your own opportunity. I mean, if you're going to I mean, there there are not to say that you can't learn a lot at a certification, but you just you, that's not where the learning process ends. It should it's be the starts. very beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's where it starts. starts. So I mean, when I first got certified as a kettlebell instructor with Dragon Door back in 2002, I didn't just start training people right after the course. I actually volunteered to work with some volunteer firefighters for I think it was about six weeks and I would train them once a week. 
And I learned a lot about how to instruct people, what works, what's not effective. And if this is something where they're not paying me, it's completely free. So I, I learned uh, – I knew enough that I'm not going to hurt these people, but I didn't have confidence in how to teach people effectively. But since they're not paying for it, it was really a non-issue. And you're not going to get – you can't complain about the instruction when it's free. You know, so it was a good audience. But I tell you what, after that six weeks, I was really confident to take it to the marketplace now. I was like, okay, I got this down now. Yeah, and here's one more thing to consider. It's not just – in this field, it's not just about – you know, you're in an industry where, you know, you just certify people over a weekend and like, boom, they're coming out as experts. You know, what's really feeding this is the fact that this is an industry that is in demand by people who need, they want that savior to come in. They want something to believe in. They want to just accept something so it can take a little more responsibility off them. So instead of them having to go out and do research on their own and try to figure out what's working for them and what's not, they need this expert to come and tell them this is how it is. And be, and that's when you can come in and be that guy that's all very convincing by what you say. Even when you talk about things like American greed, it's like, okay, deep down inside, a lot of these so-called quote-unquote victims on American greed, the thing is they're just as greedy as the person that, that took them for all the money. But the thing Absolutely. is, they didn't have the they didn't have the freaking balls to go out and take that greed to the extreme. They they were just greedy just enough, but they they wanted to seem like they weren't that greedy. So they were thinking like, well, right. I want more, but I don't really want to tell everybody I want more. They're they're feeling guilty about it. But then here comes someone saying, you want more, just like I want more. We're gonna get more together. And then all of a sudden, they're like, well, when you put it like that, hell yeah, I want more. Then go get it for me, and I'll be right here. Take my money. And, and bring me back more. They're trying to keep their hands clean of the situation. But your hands are not I mean, clean. The, your hands no, are not clean not, in not this situation. So, yeah. and then yeah. when it comes out, comes out that this person has took their money and disappeared. Now all of a sudden, these other greedy bastards are mad. Like, I can't believe he did this to me. Yes, you can because you were passively doing the same thing to someone else. You had planned on doing that. You just weren't crafty enough to know how to do it on your own, or you didn't have the balls to do it, and you passed it yeah. off to someone else. And that's what happens with right. a lot of fitness you're only, you're only susceptible. You're right. only susceptible <laughs> to this scam because because you're only susceptible to this scam because you're greedy as well. So you're absolutely correct. Exactly. It's game recognized game, folks. That's what it comes down to. It's yeah. not like it's not like they just he just walked up behind you, stuck a gun in your back, and said, "Give me your wallet," and he ran off. That's a different type of robbery right there. But when you sit there like, hey, I got this great new th- investment coming up, and you, you're clearly going to make 20% return on your investment within six months. Okay, again, if it sounds too good to be true, then damn it, it is. So that, guess what? That's the same equivalent of, you know, I can show you how to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. That is the same equivalent of you getting a 20% return on your investment six months later from an investment. Okay, it's the same thing. It's the same. You're, you're still duping yourself here because you're not taking yeah. that responsibility. You want that quick. You want that quick out. And you don't care who. Well, gets whenever that whenever someone talks about how easy something is going to be, that's another red flag. Exactly. Remember, Ice T said that people. Ice T said that people come to him all the time, going, "Oh man, we should try this out. We'll make millions easily." And then mm-hmm. Ice T will go, "Well, if it's going to be so easy, then let's open up an escrow account and go ahead and put half in now, <laughs> and then and then and then when we make the rest of the millions in whatever time frame you suggested, you can put the rest in there." Then it's like, "Oh well, wait a minute." So, <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing is easy whether it's getting stronger where it's build whether it's building a business where it's being a, a service to your community none of those things are easy so that anytime simple. someone says it's easy yeah simple in terms of application in terms of getting started but in terms of achieving monumental things that's never been easy now, the tough part's always being consistent see that's the thing it's the follow through it's easy to make that first contact it's easy to make that first 
you know, impression. And then right. it's what do you do in the follow up? You know, how can you close the deal? When I mean my club, I'm not talking about from a business perspective. I'm just saying, right. you know, what are you doing to follow up to make sure to confirm to uh, to reinforce the thing that you started? And that's what most people tend to not want to do, you know, in, in the certainly in, in our field. You know, they want to make that initial impact. They want to scream and yell, be a little bit more charismatic than the next guy, develop that fraternity mentality, get enough people to jump on board with them. Because nobody likes it. These same people don't like to be loners. Okay. They like to have they gotta have those people surround them that right. are running their mouths, that are, you know, yes, you know, good job, you know, the me too mentality with everything that they do. And that's what reinforces and that's what creates that monster. And then from well, there, a lot of a lot of people in our industry want to be celebrities, and that that's one of my pet peeves is that you know are you a fitness expert or are you a celebrity? It's like I want to be on TV, I want to be on the Today Show, I want to write a book and have actors give me testimonials, you know. And I I just, I just think that's that's the wrong mindset. Well, do, you go, time, yeah, do you go into it with the mentality of I'm going to do this for me, or are you are you really going in to serve people? And I know that goes right, right back to right. well, hey, we we all go into it. Yeah, I earn a living doing what I do. I mean, it's it's <laughs> I don't know what I would do if I didn't do this. Um, right. I'd be in my family's car business, being a miserable you know, son <laughs> of a gun. But but yeah. the thing is, is that. <laughs> you know, but from there, you know, it's it's all about serving people. You don't have longevity, and and you've got to have longevity right. in our in our in our field. You, you can't just right. do it for you know. You're not going to get get rich, um, unless you're sincere in in five years, right? I mean, right. sincere. That's what that's what I heard. I mean, that's I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't get that. I heard memo. that took you about five years, and then you know that's from selling that. the ganja man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing hey, is, is that it's all in about Texas, Why not? <laughs> it, it's, about, it's about longevity. I thought those oil rigs out there were yours. Those aren't yours. I saw some kettlebells out on one of them. I just thought, I don't know. Wouldn't but anyway. Someone, someone's going to open up a gun store in Texas where they sell weed, too. <laughs> hey, man, keep approving all these different bills. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It's like but, guns and weed. Guns and weed. Perfect combination, you know? <laughs> but nobody nobody likes consistency. You know, so that's right. the thing. Nobody no, likes right. to do it. Oh, no. I mean, because, hey, as much as we love what we do, you don't want to do it every day. You yeah. do. We all, you, we you all know get... people who work out hard once and then they, they never do I'm it good. again. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they celebrate that one time for six yeah. months and then they realize, man, I never got number two, three, four, five in. Yeah, I worked out you, once. <laughs> yeah, you're as good. You're as good as your next workout. I mean, that's 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 the whole pro. And, I, and for the for as long as you're here, you know, you're as right. good as your next workout. I mean, there's no such thing as okay, check. You know, done. You know, it's, I think, it's I think it. you really have to enjoy the process, right? To be consistent. If you're so focused on where you're trying to go that the present is miserable, that's just a battle of attrition, which you will inevitably lose. Yeah, and the thing is, like we're talking about on those days that you're just not feeling it, and we've talked about this in, in previous episodes, you know, show up and do and when that, and that goes against what we talked about earlier. It's not about just show up and do something. Show <laughs> up and basically take the take the pressure to beat what you did last time off of you. In other words, right. go through mechanically sound, you know, work. Do basically, you know, your your same workout, but just take the the expectation of I've got to, you know, I've got to you know set a new, you know. New personal record today. Take I think that on, on days like that, I think it's fun just to try some new stuff. Like you never right. use the machines, go go hit the machines for a workout just for the hell of it, just and to try something out, different. And you find out that you end up having, you know, in some cases, you end up having one of your better workouts too, just right. because of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean something yeah. about expectations, man. You just kind of setting yourself up for failure. I mean, it's good to have <laughs> it's good to have yeah. goals, but expectations is just something a little bit different. It was like I'm going to nail this number today. You already got it fixed in your head. I'm getting this number, <laughs> and then God forbid something goes wrong. Because here's the thing: you're not also factoring in. 
How well did you sleep? How well did you eat? You know, what was going on the day before? Did you teach a course over the weekend? You know, hell, is it more humid today in Texas than it was last week when you actually got that other number that you hit? All these different things factor in. So many environmental elements factor into it that you don't think about. And then when you don't hit that number in your mind, you think like, oh, hell, I'm weak. I've lost it. You know, obviously this program is not working for me. No, all the elements just that day weren't in your favor. So go do something else where it's going to be in your favor. And then you're still you're still leaving with a victory for that day. And then it carries over. And then next week, boom, you hit that number, you know, or just be like, okay, I didn't hit it today. You know, so I didn't fail. Today, I'm actually going to learn what what went into today that probably deterred me from hitting that number. But the right. thing is, a lot, of, a lot of times it's good. Uh, no, a lot of times it's good to hit a PR without preparing yourself. To, what I mean by that yeah. is, if you're like, okay, next Wednesday I'm going for a max. Now the whole week, what are you thinking about next, yeah, Wednesday. next Wednesday? Sometimes you go to the gym and you're just like, man, I'm really strong today, mm-hmm. and then just right. and you weren't even you weren't even planning on going for a PR <laughs> right. that day. Yeah. But for whatever and, reason, you're doing your warm up sets. You're like, everything feels light. It's just coming right off the floor. Screw it. I'm going to go for it today. And I've had some of my best workouts using that mindset. But when I when I have something on the calendar, like, okay, a month from now I'm going for this, <laughs> then as you get closer to that date, it starts building up more anxiety about it. Well, it's the anticipatory anxiety. You know, and yeah, the thing exactly. is that the longer, I, longer, longer, longer you're in this, it, it actually has a very negative effect on you. And so mm-hmm. it is one of those things where you have to have a certain level of maturity where you know that, hey, there are going to be some days I'm just not feeling it. But when you take that demand off of you realize that there are fewer and fewer. So that yeah. you actually have more quality days than you do the other way around. And I, I saw something where somebody said, well, you know, you're basically going to have one really high quality day. You're going to have one day that's really low quality. And then you're going to have two that are kind of in the middle. And, and there's probably some truth to that. But the key is those ones in the middle, they need to be above water, you know, or, you know, where you've got or above, you know, your head above water. You've got right. to make sure that those in the middle days, if you're going to throw the two extremes out, You've got to, it's what you do in those in between days. They can't just be that, you know, dull in the middle where they never have any level of progress. It's what is the level. In other words, say on a scale of um, one to 10, instead of them being a five, they need to be a seven. So if you've had a 10 and you had a two, you instead of them being two fives, Look at it and say, hey, if I can bump this up to a 7 and then a 7.5, then over the course of time, that's where you get progress from. It's not the extreme days where, man, I had this crappy day and I had this day that was off the charts. It's the yeah. those in the middle. What are you doing with those days? Yeah, you right. need that. That's that's good dating advice right there too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. don't, days, go, don't go don't, from a ten to a two. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, don't just think like, hey, you know, I got these two fives right here at the same time, so that's a ten. All right, it's a, it's All right. a good day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, shit, three threes, almost there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nineties, hey man, nineties and A. If I was back in school, so why not? <laughs> oh awesome, man. man, hey Vince, appreciate you coming on, man. We don't want to keep you all day, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Well the knowledge. Where, where can people find out more about what you have going on? Um, we're working on our website right now. We're going to we're redesigning. We're actually going to get one that's up to modern times. And um, so be looking out on that. I'll keep you up to date on that, Mike, and, and sincere when that comes mm-hmm. out. But Facebook is the best place. Just check it. I'm putting new videos up all the time on that. Um, just, you know, hit me up with a, a friend request. And then, you know, you get obviously all the information there. And, um, you know, I'm on Instagram. I'm on all that other social media stuff, Twitter and everything else. And, you know, trying to put, you know, new stuff up all the time that, um, hopefully can help, <laughs> help a few people. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that's probably the best thing until we get our website up, which is, which will be McConnellAthletics.com when it's up and running in the next few weeks. 
You do yeah. phone consults or Absolutely. online, Absolutely online training phone, as well? Phone, okay. phone consults as well as um, via email. Phone okay. consult, our number, 251-990-6202. Again, 251-990-6202. Or send me a direct email at McConnellAthletics at gmail.com. McConnellAthletics at gmail.com. You should have said, call me now for your free thought. Thanks a lot. Thanks again, Biz, Biz. Pleasure Always. to talk to you. And yeah, we'll definitely have you back again soon. Always a privilege, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks care. again. You have a great day. All right. You guys too. Thank you. Okay, again, folks, that was our friend Vince McConnell. Check him out at McConnellAthletics.com. And make sure to check out our respective websites by using that coupon code LLA. Go to MikeMahler.com or AggressiveStrength.com and get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. And the testosterone booster works for guys over 50 and guys below 50, too. So make sure you check out those testimonials and see the different ages of people that have been providing feedback to me. And by the way, it works for me, and I'm way below 50. The whole reason I'm selling it is because it works for me. So to say it only works for guys over 50, come on, man. Do some research. Read the website before you make those kind of ignorant comments. And then you can also get videos, my lectures, ebooks. You know the drill. Use that coupon code, get 10% off. Now, how about with you, man? Same thing. Go to newwarriortraining.com. Use the same coupon code, 10% off all my products over there, DVD, my weight management course, Sharia doors over there. New Sharia doors are coming, but go ahead and knock out all the ones we have over there right now. We're almost out of those. And um, also, you can get that from the ebooks over there as well. So 10% off all those products. And also, make sure you hop over to iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a review, folks, and rate us. Uh, again, as Mike said in the last show, you know, by June, we're trying to get this up to about 200. We're trying to get to 200 reviews. We're about 175 now. So we can get that done. I mean, here we are in the middle of May. We can knock that out with all the listeners that we have on the show and all you guys out there. Hey, it doesn't have to be a long, elaborate thesis or anything like that. Just say, hey, just state like, hey, this is why I like the show. And hit that rating, hit that review, and it's, it's done. Just like that, and you can go on about your day. So some people, some up. people probably feel that oh, I'm just waiting for those guys to offer something free for leaving a review. Nope. No, hold on, hold <laughs> that, on. That was, of, that was that was year one. Oh, no, we don't I was do that say, as of this date right now, that we are now upon our second year of doing this show. That was so two years ago. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, so that's so, what you do when you're brand new and you're yeah. trying to get things going. We, we've got this thing going down. Exactly. So, so now you should leave a review for the show because you think it's great. You've been listening for. Mm-hmm all this free information for a long time and you want to give back. You want to reciprocate. You want to feel good about yourself. So there you go. And one last thing, make sure that you hop over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a patron of the show, support it on a monthly basis in that little box where it asks for your pledge. Take out that $1. Don't be that guy. Okay. Don't be that guy. Now here's the thing. If that's all you can do, now, I know Mike has an opinion about that. You know, if that's, that's all you can give, then go for it. But, you know, my thing is erase that. Start with $5. If you can give more than that, then, yeah, go for that, too. You know, Mike would simply say, you know, all you can do is give a dollar. You need to go out and do something else. Instead of, <laughs> instead of sitting around listening to podcasts, you need to be Stop, doing yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> some, there's some things in your life that need some arranging and, and some changes going on there. So, you know. No, it's true. And, and, and right now, the, a lot of most of the people that are that are donating funds are people that buy both of our products. And that's nice. That's that's really nice of them, but we put this in line for those of you that, for whatever reason, don't want to buy products from either one of us. Maybe right. there's some, maybe there's just things that you're just not interested in, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an opportunity for you to say, I want to support that show, and that's why we put this option together, so take advantage of it. There you go, folks. So lots of ways you can support the show that supports you. Hey.